That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. So Jake, you're looking a little toasty. Have you been in the infrared sauna, the tanning booth in Gramercy Park? Is there a tanning yeah. booth right in the middle of the park now? Have they? No, there are all the policies? tanning booths are in New Jersey. Everybody knows that. So, but uh, I am. Um, yeah, no, just uh, sorry, New well, Jersey, I, Chris Christie, we love you. Yeah, not really. I just took. You know, that's why New Yorkers are depressed. They say because um, the light at the end of the tunnel is New Jersey. Uh-huh. So anyway, da da da. Just kidding. Um, no. I'm feeling good, and here we are. It's another rainy day in New York City, but April showers bring those May flowers, as they say, and uh, we are coming at you with the gospel. Um, as you can see, Aaron, I'm wearing my son's gaming headset, and so which is very attractive. It's I sleek say, and red gl- with a microphone. I'm glad. I don't know if Henry chose it or if you guys chose it for him, but you know you can get those kinds that have little cat ears on the... <laughs> part that goes over your head and i'm glad you don't have that because if you did it would be exceedingly distracting i would I, I have to see that enough as it is because my kids like watching youtube videos of yeah. gamers and uh there's uh, lots it's of all those that plays on headsets. in our house so um i know and how are you if you are an old person and you don't have middle school children in your house listener i want you to know that the future is on youtube and television broadcasting is totally dead. It's it's uh, it's on hospice care, and everything's going to be on YouTube. And if you're not watching YouTube, well, uh, I don't know what to tell you. You're missing the cultural tide. Um, anyways, I just think I, it's amazing. That's a, that's a PSA for some of our older yeah. uh, or less less people who don't have middle schoolers in your household. I watch a lot of my news from YouTube, so um, yeah, that's I find why you believe get, a lot of conspiracy theories I too. Fi- I find actually I get fair, balanced reporting. So um, <laughs> from people with no training, but I, it's fine, Jake. I don't you know, it's you. perfect. You know, um, have you hired your most recent uh, assistant minister who got their seminary education on YouTube? I'm just wondering if that's where they. <laughs> It's coming too. The future, as you just said, is on YouTube. So, but no, I've been uh, consumed with what's about to happen in Davos with the Great Reset. So, anyway, um, that's what I've been doing. How are Illuminati gather? Yeah. How are you doing? (laughs) Um, Well, thank you for helping us not derail this episode. Uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, As I as I mentioned in our pre-show planning, uh, I just had an enormous burrito. Uh, I think the uh, my blood sugar has spiked. Uh, at some point in this episode, it will crash, and uh, I leave it to our listeners to figure out when that moment happens. Mm. But yeah, mm. I, I, it's a new. If you're in Waco, California burrito just opened on 25th Street. It is delicious. Seven bucks a burrito as big as a Volkswagen. I mean, it was. That's amazing. amazing. 
Uh, nothing beats a good burrito, I'll tell you. We were just in San Diego, hence, as you mentioned earlier, I'm sunburned. And um, we um, had wonderful breakfast burritos from Pipes, so which is a very famous uh, surf burrito place. But anyway, we digress. Um, we are here on the, um, this is the fifth Sunday of Easter, near your daughter's birthday. And um, our readings today are Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. First uh, John chapter four seven through twenty one, and John chapter fifteen one through eight, and so here we are. Oh, do you need to check your eBay uh, watch list? Is that what that was, Jake? Uh, no, I'm just That's making. Fine. Go ahead. <laughs> now I'm just making sure my phone is now on silent. So, anyway, um, but uh, just. What are your thoughts on Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40, and uh, eunuchs, and all sorts of wonderful ways we could preach this text today to make it culturally relevant? Well, so one thing that our readers or our listeners will know probably, especially if you're in a more kind of mainline denominational world, that this passage in 8, 6, 8, Acts 8, starting verse 26, uh, tends to be used a lot to talk about gender identity, and I think that is an application but I think if you are using this passage to talk about that, you are missing a word that I think it would apply more universally to your congregation and I think is reading something in the text that is not there. Mm -hmm. I think sexual identity is an important and significant conversation that the church is having and needs to continue to have. But that's not the central idea of this passage. The fact that he's a eunuch is not... It's not due to a lifestyle choice or uh, gender orientation or a sexual identity that he himself has uh, adopted um, or felt it defines who he is. It is this, the, the ancient world did not have the identity questions that we have today. So to read that into this text, I think, puts something in there that's not necessarily that's right. there. Essentially, um, essentially what's happening in this particular passage here is you have uh, one of the apostles, Philip, uh, you know, the, Lord, the angel of the Lord says to him, go out onto the road towards Gaza. So we're headed towards a southern, um, southern part of Israel. And uh, there, um, there uh, he runs into, Philip runs into an Ethiopian eunuch. And, uh, and uh, one thing that's very important, too, that helps you set the context to preach this particular passage is that uh, chapter 8 in Luke's Gospel, if you, or in the book of Acts, if you remember, Luke wrote Acts. And uh, in the Great Commission, Jesus says, uh, you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. And so, and the book of Acts is actually structured this way. It begins in Jerusalem, makes its way to Judea and Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth with St. Paul at the end of it. And here, chapter 8 represents that pivot of the movement from Jerusalem and Judea out to the very ends of the earth. And so, on one level, this Ethiopian eunuch represents kind of the ends of the earth coming because that would have been the end of the earth um, in, in that time, Ethiopia. And so, this represents the coming in of the nations. Yeah, and so the the and the significance of him being a eunuch is not a question as we would understand it today of sexual identity. It's it means in the Jewish context that he would have been on the outskirts, that he would have been sort of rejected from society. He would have been seen as blemished uh, because mm-hmm. uh, going back his, to the Deuteronomic law, right? Yeah. Exactly. So in the Torah. Uh, or having crushed testicles, having, I mean, that whole thing means that you cannot be part of, you, you, you'll never be ceremonially clean. Uh, you're sort of uh, seen as damaged. And um, the, the, 
the result of the, that for Philip is that if he wanted to kind of officially fully convert to Judaism, it would have been a really difficult thing. And, and this passage makes clear that he's sort of interested in that. He's search, he's searching for God. He's He has uh, apparently rejected a lot of the other religious systems in his day because he has come to Jerusalem to worship, and now he's going back down to Ethiopia. Uh, and also he's he's reading the, the Hebrew scriptures. He's reading the prophet Isaiah. So here's somebody who's interested in God, but because of his the, his physical situation, uh, he he is not he he would never be fully let into the the club, as it were. So uh, the and also he's the Ethiopian. He's not part of the the eth- the ethnic group um, of the Jewish people. Mm. So he's got all these sort of things against him and what we find in this passage is that the gospel is for him. And he, I mean, just be, it's a beautiful story. He's, he's reading, um, the prophet Isaiah. Uh, and I love, I, it, it's a really evocative image. Philip runs up to the chariot, hears him reading the prophet Isaiah. And we don't hear that the chariot ever stops. Like the, the, the train is moving and Philip just is like running next to him. Uh, it's, it's sort of like in a cartoon when somebody's running next to a car and like talking to the person in the car. That's sort of what's happening here. And, um, you know, instead of saying, pardon me, do you have any great poupon? He says, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy says, no, because I need someone to guide me. And Philip says, well, hey, just so happens I'm here. He gets inside. Let and me then give explains, you a sermon. <laughs> yeah, expl- and it's it's the suffering servant. It's this classic passage and um, about... The Messiah, the one who uh, gives his life as a sacrificial lamb, uh, and so it's about Jesus. And Philip explains to the Ethiopian eunuch what's happening. Um, the The other thing too that is significant, by the way, about this is that because he works for Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, this eunuch is very highly placed. Um, uh, again, on so many levels, this this passage, as you said, Jake, shows how the gospel goes to the ends of the earth. This is someone who's at a very high socioeconomic and education level in Ethiopia, a significant world power at the time. Um, the gospel is going there. I mean, it's as you said, it's the ends of the earth. This is could be farther away from Jerusalem. Whereas before, if you wanted to worship Yahweh, you had to come to Jerusalem. Now the message is going out to everyone. Uh, and so I think, you know, how do you make this connect to your congregation? I think uh, there's certainly a message for whatever in your life makes you feel like you can't approach God, or you're if you've ever been made to feel less than, um, if you feel like God is uh, somebody that is always sort of looking for ways to keep you out. Uh, the gospel always says, look, let's bring you in. And, and just beautifully, they baptize him immediately. Mm-hmm. We um, it, There's this kind of thing now in the Episcopal Church where we make baptism really hard. We almost never offer it. And communion we have every Sunday and many places against the canons of our own church allow people who are not baptized, people who are not Christians receive communion. That's a big discussion. But what I love here is I feel like this passage gets the order right. You make baptism like, come on, everybody, get in the water. Get in so the pool. Look, here's some yeah. water and let's, let's get in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you the see, uh, and you know, in this, this passage of the suffering servant really is, um, and it reminds you of the fact that in the Old, the, the Old Testament is actually about Jesus as well. The Hebrew scriptures are about Jesus as well. There he is concealed, and, uh, and Philip as the preacher 
uh, gives him, I love it, he proclaims to him not like 10 steps about organization or 10 steps about how he really, this unit could fit into society a little bit better and, uh, you know, and things he should take back to Candace uh, to, to take care of. No, he proclaims to him the good news about Jesus, which Jesus like uh, was like a lamb led to the slaughter, you know, and he was silent and in humiliation, justice was dis- denied him. Uh, but he has taken up his life and has reconciled um, the whole world, especially those on the outside of it, um, to himself, and that this message needs to be proclaimed to the very ends of the earth. And I love that Philip never stops proclaiming that message. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, the the preachers that are going to want to make this, sometimes there's a message that uh, in this passage and lots of passages, because the gospel is always about bringing those who are on the outside in, and whether we preach the passage about um, how 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 feminist the gospel is, how it was how Jesus's ministry was always bringing in women. If you wanted, if you if you were somebody who used this passage to talk about sexual identity, or you wanted to use other passages about people with disabilities, and how the gospel is always bringing in people who are poor, who are overlooked, and all that sort of stuff. The message in the gospel, however however you preach this passage, dear listener, if you are a preacher, the message of the gospel is not just that everyone is welcome and I'm okay, you're okay, and yes. uh, God made you just the way you are and you're fine. That is not the message. The message is, yes, you are welcome to come in as one of many different flavors of sinners, <laughs> and your sins are forgiven too. Yes. Um, the the gospel does not say that everybody is fine. The gospel says everybody is a sinner and everybody is loved. Um, and sometimes that gets mixed up. The church wants to be hospitable and understandably so, and the and Jesus is hospitable. He does welcome everybody. But then he also says uh, he knows what's in the heart of a human being, and out of a heart of a human being come slander, malice, all the all the stuff. Um, and so yeah, the 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 message here for the eunuch is not. You're okay, come on in. I mean, he is okay. Like, he's just another human being who has his own set of issues, and he's welcome. And he can hear now the message of Jesus Christ, this lamb led to the slaughter who was sacrificed for his sins, too. Yes. Um, So I think um, if you you ever preach a passage like this that is, you know, this is a very specific encounter with a very specific person with a very specific set of realities. Um, But if you ever preach a passage so specifically that it cannot be heard universally to your, for everybody in your congregation, um, you need to ask yourself, is that really the right sermon to preach? Because there are lots of people in your church, and you need to make sure that the one universal message that will hit all of them is Jesus Christ is the friend of sinners. Yeah. So, he, you know, you, here endeth you, my harangue. What do you want to say about that? Well, just I just want to affirm your harangue 100% and affirm you. Um, you know, but uh, that is and th- that is a that is a real trap that a lot of preachers fall into. You know, um, the eunuchs over there. You know, the poor over there. All of this stuff. And uh, never forget, um, on one level, you're a eunuch too. You have a eunuchy aspect to you that gets you out of the community. You know what I mean? We're all walking eunuchs, and um, and uh, but we have a marvelous Savior who has by his work, by being that suffering servant, reconciled us uh, to himself. And so that, I think that's a, you know, just just affirm it and uh, affirm what you've just said. 
Yeah. And There's I'm, a, I'm the, just preach your, what I guess what I'm going to say is embrace your inner eunuch and preach to that. And it will, um, it will hit all the other eunuchs in your congregation, whoever they may be. I'm just dying to know what Ben Madison thinks about everything you just said. Um, it sort of, there's a, there's a part of his, this is one of our listeners, a former curate at my church. who's now at Holy Trinity Winona in, uh, in New Jersey. Uh, and, um, uh, the land of the of the tanning salon, and uh, he just has the sense of humor of Michael Scott, which is to say, somebody who's in about seventh grade. And I just want to know what he would say about what everything you just said about we're all walking eunuchs. So Ben, if you're listening, please tweet, comment, share, share your ideas with us, uh, or maybe just text me. Okay, so moving on to First John too. chapter four, uh, and kind of about yeah, the the passage about love. All you need is love, right, Jake? That's what we preach, just love. All you need. Yep, absolutely. Love. Well, uh, actually, but love. Um, <laughs> love love means nothing unless it's actually connected to uh, the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. And so, um, and so when we preach on this particular passage, and I think that's one of the big problems in uh, church and in society today is that we've actually made love a real profound abstraction as opposed mm. to rooting it in, um, in God as he's chosen to reveal himself to the world as the suffering servant. <clears throat> yeah, and I think, we, yeah, we divorce love from... The blood on the floor. We mm. divorce love that's a good from word, man. sacrifice. Yeah, I mean, and that's that comes from Brene Brown. You know, she talked about kind of her return to church after many, many, many years gone, and she went, I think, to the Episcopal Cathedral in Houston. And one of the things she appreciated about, and she she uh, has spoken and written about this, is that um, she wanted a church where there was blood on the floor, meaning um, not just rainbows and unicorns and you're okay and I'm okay, but a church that acknowledged the the trauma, the the reality of human brokenness, and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, mm. I think, um, and that, and John does that. So, you do your congregation a disservice if you just, you know, read the first couple of verses and just say, "God is love." And so, like John says, "Let us love one another." Um, never, <laughs> preachers, end your sermon with salad. So, this is a that's a corny preacher thing to say. You know, lettuce. There's a lot of preachers that end their sermons with, "So, brothers and sisters," or let us now, blah, 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 or may we be the, 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 the. And really, mm. that's just a preachery way of saying is you go law. do this thing. It's yeah. just barking orders. It's law. It's a pure, and it, and it, and it doesn't ever work because they will, they will go after church to brunch and they, the person will forget to bring the strawberry syrup for their waffles and they will not tip the person and they won't love. And, and, you know, it's just, um, and, it doesn't and, work. And John and John nails it right here. Um, and he tells us what love actually is from a Christian perspective. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. You know, that is what, that is love manifest. A crucified mm. rabbi on a cross from Nazareth named Jesus in a particular moment in history for you. That's how much you are loved. And uh, that, I mean, gosh, that has the power to, um, that, that is, that's our message as Christians. Um, I just uh, was, uh, Ben, my colleague Ben DeHart just forwarded me this um this uh, very interesting um, Facebook comment from uh, um, uh, Scott Benahy. I think he was like the Bishop yeah. of Georgia. 
And, uh, you know, and he talks about how he was interviewing seminarians and, you know, and he was like, so imagine me like this 50 year old guy and like, why should I come to your church? And everybody was like, well, we got great programs, social programs. And he's like, oh, I'm already in Rotary. Uh, We have great music. Oh, I've got concert tickets to this place. I get great music all the time. And uh, and he was like, you know, like none of them said the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. And like this, this is this is our message, and uh, and this is the only thing that sets us apart from the rest of the world, and um, and I really think as we get out of the pandemic, this is the message that God loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice that is going to speak to the post-pandemic suffering heart. Yeah, Amen. Uh, he also said he he would interview them, and 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 he would again. He says like, why are you? Why should he, you know, role play like with these seminarians. So why should I come to your church? And then another thing he would say is, well, because of the community. And he would say again in this role play, well, I go to AA. I've got community there. So again, every other organization tends to provide all these things usually better than the church, or at least we don't provide it better than they do. And yeah, he said, I waited patiently for some mention of how their church could meet my greatest need, namely to be reconciled with God through Jesus by his cross. Never came. Uh, yeah, he said, any church that that doesn't lead with Christ and Him crucified, it's sort of what's the what's the point? So, anyways, yeah, I think that's right. So, if you preach this passage and you just say just love one another, you're missing actually what John says. You're actually disrespecting yeah, completely. Uh, John you, you are pre- you're not preaching John, right? Because John says he he immediately de-emphasizes us and re-emphasizes God and says mm. it's not that we love God, but that He loved us, and he even says. You haven't even seen God. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And he says, "What well, if if there is love between us for one another, it is from God. He says, if we love one another, God lives in us. That's who is doing it. Uh, it's from him abiding in us um, and, and doing the work. Uh, as he says later in the passage, God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God and they abide in God. And so there's this... The fact of being rooted and connected to the atoning sacrifice of Christ is you, you don't get any of this love stuff without that. That is the foundation. It's like many people would, if you preach this passage, just love without mentioning Jesus, without mentioning the sacrifice, it's like you're building a house, but you never pour the foundation. And the second a strong gust of wind comes by, the whole thing's going to fall down. Um, so uh, it, it's just, it's, it's, so much of this passage again is about uh, God doing this work in us, um, and and so yeah, that's that's yeah. what I mean. I would say if you preach this but I, miss that, you've missed the whole thing. And I think the Epistle of John leads us into John chapter fifteen, our gospel reading this week, John fifteen one through eight. Uh, where, oh, can I um, say one more thing? Sorry. Yeah, Jake. sorry about that. Go. I thought we were in a segue, no. but that's all right. Yeah, no, it was a great segue, and now I'm de-segueing <laughs> your segue. And, but I just, you know, th- there is something really beautiful in this last paragraph of the John 4 reading. Um, by the way, folks, it's never a same old song episode if there are not seven sirens going outside of Jake's office. They're never in Waco. They're always in, in New York City. So... Anyways, we pray for those people. I live on. Um, the, I live. I live in the mean streets of Gramercy Park. So anyway, <laughs> it's gritty, folks. I tell you, those tulips—they are not playing around. I know um, the squirrels are so, just out of control. <laughs> I know, it's Lululemon everywhere you look, yeah, and frankly, it terrifies me. <laughs> um, so. 
the, uh, the, the thing here at the end here is uh, this thing about fear. There's no fear in love, and perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. Um, this is some of the most profound stuff that John writes, and it is true. If there's a relationship in your life where fear is the predominant or a mm. significant part of that relationship, um, that means that love is in some way been um, dammed up or broken or uh, it's not it's not flowing the way it should uh, because if there's fear of punishment that then there's there's no love and so what John is trying to say is because of Christ you don't have to fear punishment anymore so if there's anything again if I would for my if 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 I preach this passage saying to my congregation love one another just do it they're not going to do it mm-hmm. if i can have them leaving the church feeling like they don't have to be afraid of being punished ever again and i leave it at that then they might actually be someone who loves because as he says we love because he first loved us if you don't get your people to know that they are loved they are never going to love they're not mm-hmm. going to love because you tell them to they're only going to love because they have been loved and they know that so make that your objection mm-hmm. objective um, so that's all I, that's all I had to add in my really long PS to that. No, it's wonderful. Well then, you know, I mean, so now we can segue into John and uh, we can really hit on, uh, because John references, references this in his epistle as well, but this whole concept of abiding, you know, and so in this particular passage, you know, Jesus basically takes this image of Israel and, uh, draws it to himself you know the fact is is that there was a giant gold vine that that cut, that surrounded the outer part of Herod's temple and so um, but Israel had always seen themselves as the vine and so Jesus here takes this profound image and says I'm the true vine you know and my father's the vine grower and so um, and he begins to use this imagery of branches and what it is to be pruned and uh, and to abide and I'll never forget, um, and this is a good, funny story, but when uh, my first year in seminary, I remember there was an old bishop who came named Fitz, and uh, we were in a very, you know, pietistic moment um, in, 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 you know, our seminary education, and every seminarian goes through it, and uh, we were in chapel, and one particular person just was really praying from the bottom of their heart, Lord Jesus, prune us, prune us, Father, prune us. And anyway, uh, Fitz, he stood up and he was like, would somebody stop praying that prayer? He was like, if trees could scream. And then he was like, you don't need to pray to be pruned. You will be pruned because he is the vine dresser and he's going to bear fruit in your life. And uh, that was a very, um, uh, that was very powerful because what he did was he shifted the whole thing from the branch being the protagonist to the vine and the vine dresser being the protagonist. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We don't need to pray for God is doing it in your life. And, uh, but, but, um, uh, and, you know, and sometimes what that means is, is that the Christian life can look like you've been, uh, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been involved in pruning, uh, Aaron, a tree, but I have. And, uh, you, if you're doing it right, sometimes that tree looks like it's been killed. But, uh, mm-hmm. boy, in the next year, you get some beautiful leaves and or some beautiful fruit and uh but you know that's that is what it is so be encouraged you want to encourage people especially during covid where they feel like they've been just pruned back to a nub you can encourage them that god is at work uh in your life um because he's the vine dresser and he's good and he's uh, attached you to this vine to bear fruit yeah and i think it's a, a lot of people think pruning is god removing sin from your life um and yeah, it's that's not really what pr- pr- the 
when someone goes and prunes a vine, that a could be part vine, of it. Yeah, I mean, if there's a diseased branch or something, they'll cut it off. But really, the main idea is to cut off perfectly healthy, good branches to allow more air and more light mm. to the branches that have a better chance of, of big grape clusters. Look at you so all into horticulture. So that more that good stuff can get to the few important branches. Well, so, you know, full disclosure, my dad, some people when they retire, they, you know, buy a sports car or a boat or something. My dad planted about 10 acres of of grapes in North Carolina. So he's, if you're in North Carolina, Junius Lindsay Vineyard, named for my great-grandfather, Junius Lindsay Zimmerman, uh, Thanks, Dad. Maybe now you won't disinherit me. I, I plugged the, the family vine <laughs> vineyard. The inheritance uh, is all gone. It's in that vineyard, man. <laughs> I know. That's right. That's right. So it's like here's up. a grape, Aaron. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a raisin now. Sorry, you were late. Um, yeah. So, yeah. The, the, but the thing is, you prune good, healthy branches so that more light and air can get to the, get to the other one. So, mm. all that to say is... Um, pruning is not like repentance. And yeah. again, it, it's not something it's, that you it's do. The work it's something of that God, God does. in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes it can be brutal and sometimes it can be glorious, but it's all about bearing fruit. And uh, this brings us to the idea of abide. Please, 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 from the bottom of our hearts, dear preacher, hear our plea. Do not talk about abiding as something you now need to do. Mm. <laughs> abiding is a passive verb in the Greek here, and it is what you, it's, it's what you are. It's what you are the moment you were baptized. Yeah, I mean, imagine if the word was here, like, rest in me. Uh, you wouldn't be like, oh, God, I'm going to go rest so hard. Like, it's, uh, it's a, it is a passive sort of stance. Um, and uh, if you, th- again, think about a vine um, and what the branches are doing. Are they trying really hard to stay connected to the vine? No, they just, they're just connected to the vine. Um, and Jesus gets at this, is apart from me, you can do nothing. So we don't have to hold on to this vine with all our strength. Uh, and a lot of people make this into a list of rules because we feel much more comfortable with the list of rules than with a rather vague command like abide. Mm. Um, so we talk about quiet times and scripture memorization and journaling and all that stuff is good and wonderful. Um, but abiding, again, a lot of people make that in kind of a white knuckling report card driven kind of faith and that's not what this is about this is remembering that you are connected to jesus and he will bear fruit in you um and all you have to do is be a branch yeah and oftentimes when we're given those things to do to abide uh, that those kind of uh, those actions actually like you said they create fear in us which then uh you know in on one level i mean they they, they cause us to believe that we're not abiding. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and this is the thing. And when what Jesus is saying here, I mean, if you're worried that you're not abiding, trust me, you are abiding because a person who's not abiding is not worried about this at all. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so when he says, whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. And such branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. You know, this, is, this isn't prescription, like you better abide or else. This is just this is just the this is just the description of what happens to branches that don't. And if you're worried about that, well, um, you know, uh, go back to love, the love mm-hmm. of God connected to that atoning cross, and uh, know that you are abiding, and uh, because He's He has forgiven you and He loves you, 
And let me tell you, when he's called you a, a vine and grafted you unto himself, well, uh, you are, and you're bearing fruit. And um, I think I've used this illustration before, but it's a, it's a good one because we just came back from San Diego, and uh, we were at a... Um, uh, uh, a friend's house who has uh, a lot of uh, orchards all over the place, uh, the Kisos, and uh, and uh, they um, and we had an orange tree. But sometimes, you know, the weather is really bad, and uh, the oranges just don't come. Or sometimes it's really hot, and um, the oranges just don't come. But nevertheless, it's still an orange tree. So don't worry mm-hmm. about counting fruit. Just um, just. Um, uh, confess Christ and Him crucified, because you've been grafted into that, and He suffered and died and risen for you. That's how much He loves you. So bear fruit that lasts. And just a final little image from uh, uh, someone you know, but I don't know them personally. Uh, Nadia Boltz Weber. Mm, uh, she's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And she talks a lot about Christians read this passage, and they what they hear is because we always turn things into law. And so we hear, oh, I got to bear fruit. And so most Christian life ends up being taping fruit to our dead branches, <laughs> meaning we haven't actually heard the gospel. We haven't actually um, received the word that we are loved and forgiven and then allowing Jesus to bring forth the fruit. We think, oh, I got to do it. I got to do it on my own. I got to perform. I got to make God happy. Yep. And I got to look like a good Christian. So I'm going to take pictures of me reading my Bible on Instagram, but really spend more time editing the filters on mm-hmm. that than actually you know, doing, showing any love for neighbor or yeah. taking care of myself or what other, what other things that, that might look like actual fruit in life. So anyways, uh, don't hear this and then think you need to tape fruit to your branches. Mm. Hear this and remember what this is calling you to do is to re, is to come back again to the message of grace, love, and forgiveness that is yours in the gospel. Come back to the fact that Jesus has chosen you. Come back to the fact that Jesus has pardoned you. Come back to the fact that uh, he, he adores you and delights in you. And um, has has made you clean, as he Jesus says to his disciples. You have already been cleansed by the word that I've spoken to you. Like that's in the past. There's Amen. nothing. There's no charge against you. Uh, there's no indictment waiting to drop on your head. And so, if you can come back to that, that that's that's the place where you need to be. And then the fruit will come. So so throw out the duct tape. You don't need it. Yep. Amen. Well, are we done? I think it's a good place to stop. Put away All your right. duct tape, let's, everybody, and yep. just abide. So, yeah. Amen. Somebody's looking, somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know, we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production, and remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.